Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Back here. It's a home game. Man, we have we've, we've done a lot of those long NBA road trips the last couple of months. Got one more coming up. Heading to Dallas after the show tomorrow for uh, Blaze TV debate coverage. And then my answer is no. I, I don't have anything scheduled to the end of October. I'm just telling you right now, if you're thinking of asking, the answer is no. I mean, I just... I asked Todd last week, have we had like five weeks this year that have been like normal? No. Between the movie and book, the book and everything else, no. And so I need more normal. So the answer is no. Um, I don't have anything scheduled till the end of October. And then I have a few trips scheduled during that period of time uh, from uh, till October, the end of the year. One, I'm hoping to have to schedule at the last minute, that would be Michigan and the Rose Bowl for the college football playoff. But uh, for the next six weeks after this week, all home games, I'm here, and I'm done. I'm done with the travel. So my answer is going to be no to everybody. I mean it. You guys hold me to that. All right? We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, really. Uh, because my family's answer is no. So that's going to make my answer no uh, as well. Uh, but it is good to be back. Uh, we had a great time in Cleveland, man. I mean, we, we, I did not see the armpit of America. You know, the mistake by the lake and the, 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 the lake on fire and the stuff that we read about when we were kids, Todd. That is not what I saw. I mean, it's a major city. It's got, you know, parts of it that you don't want to venture into alone, but that's not unique. Every major city has that, you know. Uh, by and large, we enjoyed it immensely, and, and we had a great trip, and I, had, I, I came away with some observations. I'm going to share those tomorrow for Pop Culture Tuesday, what I did on my summer vacation, because they all are in the, the pop culture kind of arena. But uh, a great weekend. And, and we knew, you know, the grind is now starting, like heading into fall. Kids go back to school. Noah goes back to school on Wednesday. Uh, he's already knee deep in football practice and football camp and everything else. And so the grind is now beginning. So we took this little getaway to Cleveland, had a great time. Um, the, the Christmas story house was incredible. That was so much fun. I mean, I, I just was smiling the entire time. It was just hard not to. You know, so but we'll talk more about that uh, on tomorrow's show during Pop Culture Tuesday. Uh, Also coming up here at the bottom of the hour, Bob Vanderplas is going to join us. We have the first Iowa poll in several months. We will break that down of where they are saying things stand with the caucuses and whether we agree or disagree. Uh, Also, I think and we'll get into this with Bob. I want to get his take on this and we'll talk more about it tomorrow um, for fake news or not. But I, I think you know, we, we said after the, the, the leadership summit that there were going to be two paths set before Tucker Carlson. And I'm a fan. I think he's the most important media figure on the right post-rush. Um, but the temptation, I think the way I worded it at the time, and correct me if I'm wrong, Todd, the way that I worded it at the time was the temptation will be for this to go from what will play on Fox to what will play with Tucker. Mm-hmm. And just anoint him as the new gatekeeper. Yeah. And the temptation for him will be to say no to that or to continue on the the road of just telling the truth, whether it's 
calling calling out Sidney Powell for where's why aren't you coming on my show with evidence to calling out the jab, calling out um, the Ukraine, right? What what that will be the test, and I think we're going to get an early answer on where that test is trending based on the news that came out over the weekend, which Aaron is entirely your fault for, for voicing this into existence yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah. And now it is going to happen. Trump, instead of the debate, is going to do the interview with Tucker Carlson that he never did at the leadership summit. Well, maybe you guys don't remember what the loudest applause moment of the leadership summit was. But you know that I do. And we'll talk about that here at the bottom of the hour as well. Because I think... If that comes up, we get one answer. If it doesn't come up, we get another. So we'll talk about that coming up here at the bottom of the hour. And the next hour, it'll be your opportunity to ask me anything. I am guessing there are a lot of questions that uh, people are going to ask. I've not seen any of them, uh, but I'm guessing a lot of questions, Todd, that people will ask that I can just tell you right now, you're probably not going to like the answer to. Fair? Yeah, I'd imagine so. Yeah, given what's going on and what's being speculated about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, again, not my fault. You didn't have to ask those questions. You chose to, and so therefore I will give you the answers that I promise, or I should maybe say I'm anticipating you will not like when they come up next hour of the show. All right. Uh, before we get to all of that, let's welcome in a brand new partner to the program, and it's people I have known for a long time. It is the folks over at First Liberty. And they sense that there's been a seismic shift in the legal system. An oppressive legal precedent uh, was put in place since 1971. It was recently overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court. And the Americans who benefited the most are people of faith. So now we need to get the word out. Uh, Because of high school coach Joe Kennedy, he used to take a knee in prayer on the field after games until praying in public got him fired. But now the legal precedent that got him fired is gone. To celebrate that victory, my friends at First Liberty Institute created the First Freedom Challenge. We want people to fill local stadiums and pray after the game, just like Coach Kennedy on his first game back, Friday, September the 1st. Here's the three things you can do to promote the First Freedom Challenge. Number one, sign up at rfia.org, rfia.org. That's RFIA.org. Commit to praying on September the 1st. Number two, record a short video message challenging people to take a knee in prayer with Coach Kennedy. And number three, share your video on social media. Let the world know that the freedoms intended by our founding fathers are back. And you can join me and First Liberty by taking the First Freedom Challenge. Again, sign up at RFIA.org. A lot of you like, I'm busy. What can I do? What can I do? You guys challenge us to do something. Here is something you can do that would fit into anybody's schedule. We always need a good excuse to pray. Anyway, RFIA.org. Again, that's RFIA.org. And with that, let's get to it. Here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Winning versus Weakness. Winning. A federal judge in Florida has nixed an attempt to block a law signed by Ron DeSantis that makes it harder for... Chinese Communist Party-aligned individuals and businesses to buy land in that state. Winning, Florida has now become the first state to fine Medicaid providers for doing meatball surgery and chemical castrations for minors. A federal judge recently blocked a new law in Florida that banned so-called trans surgeries and medications for children. A rule from the Agency for Healthcare Administration still required the state's Medicaid plan providers to deny coverage for all such so-called treatments. Winning, it was also reported over the weekend over 400,000 Florida children have been awarded a 
school choice scholarship thanks to a bill signed earlier this year by Ron DeSantis. Winning, it was also reported over the weekend that Florida's job growth outpaced the national average by five times in July. Winning. I like winning. Now for the weakness part. Donald Trump and his campaign spent the weekend projecting weakness. First, it was announced Trump will not be participating in Wednesday's GOP primary debate and will instead be interviewed by former Fox News host Tucker Carlson. Just last Friday, your boy predicted that very thing would happen. Donald Trump will not show up to the debate. Instead, he will do a live Twitter space with Tucker Carlson during the debate. That would frankly be a brilliant idea. Then again, it's not a surprise when the guy who punked out on running the country during COVID would punk out on a GOP debate. Later, Trump said he won't be doing any debates at all. Then Magadonia clutched their damn pearls after these comments from Ron DeSantis during an interview with conservative commentator Will Witt went viral. We, we, we have a strand in our, in our party that views supporting Trump as whether you are um, a, a rhino or not. And so you could be the most conservative person since sliced bread unless you're kissing his rear end they will somehow call you a rhino. So it's been totally detached from principle and what you actually believe and results. And it's more about, you know, just what faction you happen to do. So there'll be people uh, who are huge Trump supporters, like in Congress, who have like incredibly liberal left-wing records that, that's really just atrocious. And yet they're viewed as by, by some of these folks as like, as like really, really good. Then you have other people, you know, like a Congressman Chip Roy, who's endorsed me. Congressman Thomas Massey. These guys have records of principle fighting the swamp that are second to none, and yet they will be attacked by some of these people and, and called rhinos. Uh, so it's just been totally detached from any type of substance. And ultimately, a movement can't be about the personality of one individual. The movement has got to be about what are you trying to achieve on behalf of the American people and that's got to be based in principle, uh, because if you're not rooted in principle, uh, if all we are is listless vessels that just supposed to follow, you know, whatever happens to come down the pike on Truth Social every morning, th that's not going to be a durable movement. Campaign responded to those comments by Ron DeSantis by posting a press release on Truth Social informing Trump's followers how they should think about that issue. CPAC chair Matt Schlapp said the quiet part out loud over the weekend, responding to a question from Jesse Kelly about how other candidates dropping out of the race helps keep Trump out of prison. Quote, quote, the sooner we unify behind a nominee, the sooner we can use resources to fund the defenses of everyone indicted for being a Trump Republican. This has become about a bigger principle than just one man, end quote. So this is all just about paying Trump's legal bills. Got it. Moving on, we told you about Lizzie Marbach from Ohio Right to Life last week and how Ohio GOP Congressman Max Miller, whose wife sits on the board of Ohio Right to Life, called Lizzie bigoted for sharing the gospel. Well, Lizzie has been fired by Ohio Right to Life now. And finally, this is not from the Babylon Bee. This is real life. A crime-ridden, lawless Democratic city is being asked to limit shooting their guns in the streets to nighttime. Chicago Democratic Alderwoman Maria Haddon asked gang members to refrain from shootouts between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. to reduce the risk to people, quote, not involved in high-risk activities. Yeah, that makes sense. Just ask all the gangbangers, politely, of course, uh, to cease and desist being all murdery during the daytime hours. Can't make this stuff up. And that's what happened while we were away. No, you cannot. An Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends at My Patriot Supply. You know our world can change at a moment's notice. Have you noticed that this is the most expensive new car market ever. It's the most expensive used car market since 2007. It's the most expensive housing market ever. 
stopped at the store on the way home yesterday to pick up some stuff to make spaghetti for family dinner and got a couple of other things. Walked out of Hy-Vee with four grocery bags, four, over $75, four bags, almost 20 bucks a bag, like the plastic bags, man. Not the ones that they, when you yeah. and I were stacking groceries, we stacked them way high, the paper yeah. ones, the plastic ones. Four bags of stuff we bought was over 75 bucks. Yowza. Folks, make sure you are ready. Our friends at My at my Patriot Supply will help you get there. If you go to preparewithdace.com, get a huge discount on their best-selling three-month emergency food kit now. Save 25% per kit. That's 25% per kit. That's the biggest discount they offer. And it doesn't come along every day. Full 2,000 plus calories you need every day. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks. You can mix and match up to 16 different types of meals and sides for variety. Get this offer before it expires. 25% off every kit. They stay good for up to 25 years with proper storage. And you get free shipping at preparewithdace.com. Again, that is preparewithdace.com. All right, coming up in the overtime today. I don't think we've ever done this before. Maybe we, you know, we did it one other time with a Clay Travis poll. I think now that I remember we are going to do an overtime today on a Twitter poll, but it's not mine. It's from another conservative hosts account. And I am fascinated by both the results, the way the question was framed, and then who's the person asking the question. And we will discuss all those things coming up today in the overtime for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you'll be able to watch it later today. We'll stick around after the show, record it for you, and you'll watch it later today. blazetv.com slash dace. And if you're not yet a subscriber and you would like to become one, it's just 10 bucks a month right now at blazetv.com slash dace. All right. Um, a couple things in the montage that Aaron mentioned to talk about. Number one, this whole listless vehicle, I don't even know what the quote was. It's a nothing. And it, it's something that they, they, they tried to drum up over the weekend. The, the Trump team tried to create a couple of issues that just never really took off. Uh, one was the story about uh, that uh, the Reuters tried to write. We talked about that with Bob Vanderplatz last week. Um, and in this, and, and Trump was out there promoting it as this. It looks like uh, Vanderplot's selling his endorsement to DeSantis when the story tells you uh, multiple candidates bought the same ad for the same price. And even the candidates that did not buy the ad were still given all the same access to the audience that everybody else was. They were still allowed on the stage. They were still allowed to be interviewed by Tucker. They still got uh, put live on Blaze TV. So, I mean, Trump tried to elevate that story again. It went nowhere. I mean, given how much the media loves to talk about when the Christian church goes corrupt or crazy, right? I mean, how, how much of a nothing burger does a story have to be for, for it to not get picked up? It didn't no. get picked up, right? Because there's nowhere to go with that story. Mm-hmm. The story actually debunks itself with its intent when you actually read it. And yet Trump tried to elevate it over the weekend. It didn't go anywhere. Then they tried to elevate this story. It didn't really go anywhere either. Because when you look at the actual quote, who disagrees with this? I mean, the only people that disagree with this are, you know, <clears throat> the very people that DeSantis is talking about. Now, now here is, though, a danger that I think you have to watch yourself with. And <clears throat> pardon me, I, I said this earlier this morning on X or Twitter or whatever the hell it's called, um, um, pointing out, you know, some of the things that the more rabid or cultic aspect of Trump's support will say that are just totally self-contradictory because that's what, you know, cultic behavior does. It, it contradicts itself upon itself. You, you know, you give up 
individual autonomy and critical thinking for groupthink. And that's just part and parcel with the process. But you have to remember that while a lot of that is, is omnipresent on social media, it's really not a lot of people in the real world. It's just not. And you will do yourself a disservice if you are a DeSantis supporter by acting otherwise. Because every moment you spend interacting with this and pointing out, are, are, there, are there people who will, who will give Donald Trump more license than their own kids and family members? Well, yeah. But you know what? It's really not that much different before. You guys remember a day long before Donald Trump ever came down the escalator that I used to talk about people that, you know, thought GOP meant God's own party yes. and, would, and would go to the dinner table and thank the GOP for the food on their table and not God. I mean, we were having these conversations in the Romney and McCain years. That, that, that element's always existed, guys. It's not any different. I mean, that, that party idolatry has existed for a long time. Now, it's, it's, it's as Todd would say, and that, that is on display, by the way, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oz goes up to 11. Mm, that is on excellent. display there. Um, but, uh, you know, we, this has been turned up to 11 in the Trump era because he came on top of that party idolatry. You add his celebrity to that. Okay. You had a celebrity persona to which never existed for previous standard bearers. And, you know, that'll dial it up. But it's, but that notion has, I have been pushing back against the idea of the baby's not as dead. If the Republican kills him, my money's just not as stolen. If the Republican steals it, How, I mean, Aaron, you grew up listening to me do these yep. shows. Yep. I'm not doing much different of a show than I was doing, which by the way is why I'm considering my life choices again. I'm not doing that much different of a show than I was doing when you were a kid listening to my WHO. It's just the names have changed, but the the uh, the, the fundamentals have not. Um, it, the only thing that's fundamentally changed in the show is I am far more radicalized informationally than I would have been when you guys first started listening to me on the air before you came to work here. That's the only fundamental that's changed. No other fundamental has changed doing this every day for 17 years. No other fundamentals changed. But engaging that is a nothing. You'll get nowhere. It's a brick wall. There is no 11th commandment. Thou must beat thy head against thy brick wall. The reality is all the polls that show Trump with a commanding lead also show over half of his supporters would be willing to consider somebody else. The vast majority of people that are supportive of Trump and even the people that I would say go to his rallies are just people that care about the country and are trying to save it. And, and to pretend that there aren't reasons for why they like Trump beyond the idolatrous is just, that's not a winning argument. There were real accomplishments. I, I can't, if, if, you're in the, if you're a Republican primary voter and you don't wish Donald Trump was president today instead of Joe Biden, then I have to ask you to re, reassess your life choices. I do. And at best, I have a complicated relationship with Donald Trump fair. Yes. I get up every morning when I see things like the cost of a car, 75 bucks for four damn bags of groceries, wishing he was president right now. And so if you, are, if, you, if you insist on going after that element, kick the dust off your sandals and move on. You're never changing those people's minds. You're not the Holy Spirit. You're not breaking through people. You're not breaking through idolatry on that angle. You got to find people that are like, well, until you can prove to me somebody's better than him at representing me, I'm going to support him. That's your audience. That's, that's who you're going after. Those other people, I mean, if you've got a family member who's, you know, their avatar on Facebook is Jesus's hand on Trump's shoulder, why are you even engaging them? Move on. That's a waste of a time. Every minute you don't engage those people or you or that you do engage those folks, you're not making an argument that would help you, in, you know, persuade people that are actually persuadable.
Um, but so I, I just think it's a complete nothing burger. In fact, I hate myself that I've spent 10 minutes talking about it. So I'm moving on. I'm far more interested in what happened with with with, with Miss um, Marbach at Ohio Right to Life and the comments from Matt Schlapp. I told you, I think it was last week on the show, that I believe the Trump team's strategy, or maybe it was the week before, I believe that their strategy and why they're insisting, or maybe I said this actually on Twitter. No, it was on Twitter that I said this while I was gone before I left last week. I just think this is one of the last things I posted before I went on vacation and I gave myself a political break for four days. I didn't post anything politically for four whole days just to get a cleanse in. The, the reason why there is so much pressure, because people are like, well, notice they're not talking about Vivek dropping out. Is Vivek Ramaswamy basically a Trump surrogate? I don't know. We're popes before this one Catholic. So, come on. Let's not insult each other's t- intelligences here. But, there's, but that's not the reason that they're not calling on Vivek to drop out. They're not calling on Nikki Haley to drop out. They're not calling on Mike Pence to drop out. Why are they singularly calling on Rick, Ron DeSantis to drop out? Because DeSantis has taken um, some of Trump's biggest donors away from him. And they have a monster legal defense. I know for a fact of people whose legal bills that have been caught up in this are over well, well already into the millions already. What do, you, what do you think happens when you're the guy that's been indicted for 41 felonies? What do you think? How many millions do you think that legal defense is? We're going to have Jenna Ellis on the show tomorrow. She's doing a legal defense fund. My understanding is she had to raise 50 grand just for the retainer. Just for the retainer in Fult- to fight Fulton County. Then we, that's before the, the meter's running on the billable hours. So I think it's, she's raised over 80 grand. That's a lot of money, man. <laughs> that's nothing compared to what is in front of her and everybody else. That's why we're going to have her on. And so what Schlapp is saying and, and, and what Aaron points out is exactly what I posted on Twitter right before I went on a political break. The strategy is get DeSantis to drop then his donors will have no place to go but to us, and they will now help us fund our legal defense. You're going to be asked to fund a legal defense in lieu of a campaign. Why? Because they know what I am telling you is true. They just don't want to broadcast this. There is far greater odds Donald Trump is going to be a convicted felon and incarcerated in some way, shape, or form by January of 2025 than he is going to take the oath of office again. And that is true, regardless of whether Ron DeSantis was in this race or his daddy wore a condom that night. It would still be true. If he had never been conceived, all this would still be true. It's, it's a, it, it doesn't matter that that's where this is going. Now, where DeSantis does factor into this is he's taking some of Trump's biggest donors away. And so the hope is by getting him off the board, those donors will then come back into the Trump fold and help fund this mass, massive legal defense. which will be well into the multi-million, tens of millions of dollars, is what, it, what it's cost Trump already and will cost him even more of. Furthermore, they really believe, as Schlapp pointed out there, they really believe that a united right, whatever that is, I don't even, do you even know what that is? I've I been do doing not. this for my whole life. I don't even know what that is, okay? But whatever that is, that a united right will somehow make the Democrats stop the lawfare they're doing. That's just completely an incorrect read of your enemies. They're not like us. These are not people content with lock her up. And then later on, it was just all for turds and giggles, guys. Now that we won, let's just move on. No. Jesus said the children of men are smarter than the children of light. A better translation there is cunning. They're serious. 
They're not like us. This isn't a show to them. I don't know how many more times I have to say this. I don't know how many more times they have to prove this. I mean, this is real. They're going all the way here. And I don't think they care about a united right. They have no fear. Why? We wore their masks. We took their jabs. We closed our churches. Why, why would they have any fear of us on any level at all? Why? Nailed it. They have none. There's no reason for them to. None. They can do whatever they want. At least that's what they think in their minds. Oh, and remember two months ago, I think it was, since Aaron, since Aaron is reminding what you predicted two weeks ago, remember two months ago when I laid out for you, hey, um, what happens when the, the, they start saying that Trump, because he's a convicted felon, isn't constitutionally eligible and can't be on the ballot? What happens? Saw that that got peddled out there over the weekend. You see that? Yes. Yeah, I told you two months ago that was coming. The goal here is to not, their goal here is to not let you vote for Donald Trump, even if you want to. Or if you, if, or to put him in, on the ballot he, he, where he can't get to 270, even if he could. That's the goal. That's the end game of this. And they go to the end. We don't. We go to the talking point. Funny ha ha ha. Slap knees and move on. They go for the jugular. And that's what's going on here. I saw something that our buddy Jesse Kelly, I'm doing his show on Wednesday. I saw something he tweeted out right before we went on the air. I want to make sure I get the quote correct. Quote, I'm preemptively sad for some of the people on the right who don't quite realize how sad and shocking 2024 is going to be for them. They seem so innocent and naive, like a child walking up to a lion in the wild so he can pet them. Yep. Perfect. And I wrote him back. I said, indeed. And unfortunately, there are too many platforms on the right that they consume that will not tell them the truth of what the plan is and what's going to happen here, or at least what they're damn well going to try by hook up by crook. And won't tell them. So they're unprepared, man. This is going to be like Michael Ironsides and scanners. Heads just are... And then explosions. People are like, wait, wait, wait. I mean, I listened to Chuckle Hut on my uh, conservative Chuckle Hut radio. And he convinced me that this thing, had, Trump had a plan. What are you talking about? There is a plan being executed. And no pun intended. But it is not by our side. That's theirs. I think, I think internally, and I think Schlapp is showing this, that Team Trump does truly understand the stakes that we're playing for here. The problem is messaging it. If they come out and say this, they kind of look weak. And then, and then if they say it, because, the, because part of Trump's branding is, I'm invulnerable in all situations. That's been very effective branding. It's, it's kind of tough to now go back to those exact same people and say, guys, they might have me cornered here. Oh, no, I don't believe it. You're Superman. The other problem is, if they, if they admit publicly the true level of legal jeopardy they're in, then it begs the question that we're going to debate in the overtime. Oh. So I love Trump, man, but if he can't win, if he's not going to be on a ballot, I mean, I got to save America. What are we doing here? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. See, they're up against, and this is the way I, I explained it on Twitter right before I went on my break. The Trump campaign is up against a ticking clock. It's a doomsday clock. And they're trying to outrace it. Meaning they're trying to get as much of this primary and everything in as they can before Order 66 is fully executed. Like, the chips are embedded. Just waiting for Palpatine to make the call. All right? They're lining it up right now as we speak. 
mean, look at the trial schedule. Let's go to trial in January and in uh, D.C. end around the first of March. And then literally like the day after, let's go to trial in Fulton County, Georgia. You know what I mean? Um, what a coincidence. They're going to do trials back to back. Man. <laughs> Gosh. 2,000 miles away, Washington, D.C. and Fulton County, Georgia. It's amazeballs how these trials are just going to be like a twinight doubleheader. What a coincidence. Not Except it's not a coincidence. And so if they message this, there's going to be that group I was just talking about a minute ago that over half of Trump's voters and all the polls that he's dominating are always saying, I'm going to consider somebody else. A lot of those people are going to start saying stuff like, oh, wait a minute. I think what's happening to him sucks, but now you're telling me he can't be on a ballot, can't win. And so I'm going to let Gavin Dusham and Big Mike win. Dementia, whoever's pulling Dementia Joe's strings. You see what I'm saying? So they're trying to outrace their opponent. Their primary opponent is not Ron DeSantis. It's the legal process. And so they're, out, they're trying to outrace this legal process as much as they can through this primary. And that's the clock that's ticking right now. Thoughts? I'm amazed in talking about our, the greatest coup in American political history. You pulled off a Michael Ironside's scanners reference. That's, I mean, that's walking the razor's edge right there, my friend. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's a poll. That's a poll. That came from deep within yeah, the bowels, I mean, my I, friend. Like, deep well, within the bowels, I've, yes. I'm, you often impress me, but to go scanners, <laughs> to sum up the coup before us, I'm just trying. All I have is giddiness when it comes to this. It's a coup, folks. It's a freaking coup. And yeah, it leaves with us with terrible choices but here we are these are the times we live in all right we'll come back and uh, we'll break down the iowa poll and we'll talk about a key moment in the future of tucker carlson is coming up this week with bob vanderplatz stay tuned I forgot to mention this at the top of the show. I did get a hearing update today. Um, the good news is I have seen a, uh, a massive amount of hearing recovery in all areas except for one. Speech recognition is the only one that I have not seen a sufficient enough uh, recovery. So even though I'm hearing more and more sounds, I'm still not hearing aidable because that's the number one thing that it would do is work to help you um, discern and understand speech better. So um, we're going to wait a couple of months. Now, they were optimistic that even though it was, it's going slower than they had thought, the growth that I've had, they were optimistic that we were going to make a lot more progress in the next few months. So good news is I've made a lot of progress. The bad news is, except in the one place where a hearing aid would help me the most. <laughs> So that's about the most Steve Dace thing ever. Um, this part of the show brought to you by our friends over at Preborn. It is our prayer that one day we don't have to work with ministries like Preborn anymore. And that is their prayer as well. But nevertheless, today's not yet that day. But unlike a lot of places in the pro-life movement, they're actually prepared for the post-row world. They already were doing hand-to-hand -hand combat 
with the enemy uh, for both the, the babies and their moms out there on the streets uh, confronting mothers with the ultrasound of their baby uh, because about 80% of the time when they hear that heartbeat, they know that that's not my body, that is somebody else and they don't go through with it. But then they also know that it, typically if you're happily married and in a secure relationship, you're probably not going for an abortion. And so these are women that are isolated. They're scared. They're alone. They're confused. They need support too. So they love them both. They're there for the mom, both with pre and postnatal care. All of this, by the way, all of it, the ultrasounds, the pre postnatal care, all of it free of charge with tax deductible donations from people like us. If you want to make one dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby on your mobile phone right now, pound 250 keyword baby on your mobile phone, just $28 has an 80% chance to save a life. That's what one of their ultrasounds costs. 28 bucks, 80% odds. You'll save a life for 28 bucks. That's a pretty good bargain. You can also go to preborn.com slash Steve. That's preborn.com slash Steve. Welcome in our good friend, Bob Vanderplatz. Good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm doing really well. Congratulations on the hearing comeback. Well, except for all the hearing that I needed the most. Everything's coming back except the stuff that I needed the most. So, Well, usually when I talk, people just hear noises, blah, 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 blah. They don't actually get to hear the speech recognition. So I know how you feel a little bit. Hang out in this business long enough and you're going to learn. You are only you are always one opinion away from being hated, one opinion away from being, being canceled. Loved. Yeah, or being canceled. <laughs> yes. I mean, the amount of people I've had that are friends and enemies and friends and enemies and enemies and friends again. And I can't even keep track anymore. So here we are. Um, let's get to it. So Aaron predicted this on the show two weeks ago. I saw that. And now it is come to fruition. It was announced over the weekend that Donald Trump, in lieu of the debate, in Milwaukee on Wednesday is going to sit down for an interview with Tucker Carlson uh, that he did not do at your summit. Yeah. Okay. Now, for people that may not, I think, and, and, and I said this after your summit, that, that I think the challenge for Tucker will be to stay on the road that he has been on, that I think made him the most important voice in right of center media, at least since Russia's passing, at least since, since then. And maybe given Russia's health issues the last few years, maybe even before that, maybe mm -hmm. you know, in the last five years, he's been the most important voice on the right. And this has been a guy that has really had no sacred cows. Went after Sidney Powell and said, why aren't you coming on my show to release the Kraken? Where's, where's your evidence, right? Went after the jab. I mean, put it this way. I, I, probably, have the I probably have the largest audience on the right to have never been invited on any primetime show on Fox News. With one exception. Tucker Carlson. Tucker did it twice. No other show would dare do it, but he did it twice. And both times was to go after either the jab and Anth or Anthony Fauci. So, I mean, this is a guy, whether it's the Ukraine war, has shown no sacred cows, no alliances other than his own issue priorities and values and, and ruthlessly pursuing them. And I'm all for that, mm -hmm. okay? But the challenge now that he's on his own will be a lot of voices whispering in his ear, you can build your own empire. And, and the challenge will be to either be an Aragorn or a Faramir and a Baramir. To either recognize there's no, I don't want to ever wear that ring or to be convinced to put it on because you'll do it better. And then we go from 25 years of, will that get me on Fox? Will that play on Fox? And that's, that's the plumb line of the American right. Mm -hmm. and, and then the new watch, the gatekeeper watchtower is, will that get me on Tucker? Will I get Tucker's attention? Will, I get, will, he, will he play my video? You know what I'm saying? You bet. And then, he's, then, he, then you become, yeah, maybe you build a massive audience. But here, in the heart, in the ticker, you become exactly what it was that you were rebelling against before. Mm -hmm. 
And I think this week, Bob, is going to be an early tell of which way this is going to go with this interview. I want to go back to your event. This was the loudest applause line. I know because I broadcast all nine hours of it. (laughs) This was the loudest applause line of your event. Um, One of the powers that government did usurp uh, over the past several years is, is the right to decide what medicine you take in the form of of COVID mandates. Um, How did you feel about that? And how many COVID shots did you take? And how do you feel about it now, in retrospect? How many COVID shots did you take? Zero. But but I think it's fair. So you make a point on a national stage of not just breaking the Overton window, man, smashing it. And then like stomping your feet on the little pieces of glass, okay, from the smashing you did. And and point out, you've taken none of it. Why would you take none of it? By the way, he worked for a network that if you worked on the grounds in New York, tried to impose it on you via mandate. He just doesn't work in New York with them. So he got around it. So here he is. I was the only, I, I was the first person on Fox to push back against this. I even put people like Steve Dace on the air that couldn't get on any of our other shows. I'm questioning presidential candidates at the most watched forum we've had so far in this entire campaign. And I'm pointing out I took none of it. And now I'm going to sit across from the guy who claims this is perhaps the greatest accomplishment of his presidency and it saved 100 million lives. How does this not get asked, Bob? Oh, it's got to get asked. There's no doubt it has to get asked. And I think there's going to be a couple things that's going to happen Wednesday night. First of all, you got the GOP debate where Trump is not going to be. So you're going to have the, the huge Trump void of not being there. And how do these other candidates handle Trump not being there? But two is simultaneously, you're going to have Tucker Carlson on his new program uh, on Twitter interviewing Trump live. And that's going to make news. First of all, it makes news that Trump isn't at the de- debate, but Tucker's going to interview him. But now the most watching is going to be, how's Tucker going to interview him? Is this going to be a, hey, uh, Trump, give us your stump speech and why you should be president again? Or are you going to push him on COVID, on vaccination, on the election, on January 6th? On the economy. How about Ukraine? Uh, you, 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 remember, remember the di- like two days after your event, he Trump at- came out and said he would arm Putin even more, or I'm sorry, arm Ukraine even more if Putin won't come to the table, right? Exactly. He, he, and that's one of Tucker's red zones is no war under any condition in Ukraine. He would give him more money. Yes. So it's, it was no longer, I will end the war in 24 hours if I get, get uh, elected again. It was, I'm going to give Ukraine more money and the leader of Ukraine's a great guy. And we've heard all that kind of stuff before but will tucker push him on that if tucker pushes the former president on these vulnerable issues which i think he needs to because i think the public has a right to know how are you going to answer these most vulnerable of issues if you are the nominee again if tucker actually pushes him in particular from the right on these issues that will be another sort that will make news as well and to see how does the former president respond so if you will recall at the family leadership summit where Tucker, you know, graced us with his presence to do the interviews, you know, he took no prisoners. 
he, he went, I enjoyed he, it immensely. Yeah. I love Tucker Carlson, yeah. but I think this is a test. Yeah, but he went after Tim Scott. He went after Asa Hutchison. He went after uh, Mike Pence. He went after Ron DeSantis. He, he went after these guys on these type of issues. I think now he needs to do that type of interview again, but do it Wednesday night and to see how does, how does the former president respond. I think this is as big of a test for Tucker as it is for anybody else on Wednesday night. All right. Let's talk about the latest Iowa poll that just came out from the Des Moines Register. And I've gotten a lot of questions about this and, and its credibility. I will say this. Ann Seltzer, who does the uh, polling for the Iowa poll, Having known Anne casually for many years, I think she actually tries to get she it right. She does try. There's no doubt. I think she tries. But you have to understand how hard it is to pull the Iowa caucuses, and I'll just give you a brief history lesson. In 2000, the final Iowa poll had George W. Bush winning by 23. He won by 10. And it underestimated Steve Forbes's um, and underestimated his support by 10 points. Why do I bring this up? Because right now, Trump has the largest lead that ever that Republicans ever had in the Iowa poll in a caucus since that George W. Bush cycle, okay? Um, in, in 2008, um, the final Real Clear Politics polling average underestimated Rick Santorum's support by eight points. That meant a comp- compilation of all the polls were that far off. It's that's 2012. In, that's yep. 2012, I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah, that's an incredible number, by the way. Um, in, in 2008, I went and looked. Barack Obama only led in two polls of Iowa until Thanksgiving and was often polling behind John Edwards because somebody asked me about that today. Uh, in, in 2016, uh, 14 of the final public polls in Iowa had Donald Trump winning the state by an average of five and a half points. He nearly finished third. Hmm. You were in a primary in 2010 where the Des Moines Register said you're going to lose by 28 points. 48 hours later, you nearly won. And that's a primary where it should be easier to identify the electorate. If you understand the way caucuses work, maybe 170,000 people are going to come to this. There are about 670,000 registered Republicans right now. So trying to figure out of those 670,000 registered Republicans, which 170,000 are showing up caucus night is not easy to do, even if you're earnestly trying. On top of that, you have posers like me who are registered independents, <laughs> okay? And we can show up on caucus night, register Republican that night and vote. That's what I do. And then change your registration back right, the next that, day. Yeah, yeah, and who knows how many, how do you know how many of those people are gonna show up? And that just, that you're literally, it's pinning the tail on the donkey here, trying to figure out who the electorate is. All right. That being said, I do think the overall environment cast in this poll is accurate, even if the numbers are probably not. And Anne even says that in the interview, that the race is probably closer than what I'm forecasting. But right now, she basically has only two candidates that are relevant. DeSantis is, what is it, 19, I think is what it is. And Trump is at 43. DeSantis has slightly higher favorables. They almost have the exact same number. I think it's 63% have Trump as a first or second choice. 61% 61% have DeSantis as a first or a second choice. And a majority of the voters said that they would suge- they would consider changing their first choice. So that's what's in the poll. I think that's largely accurate. Trump has some form of a, of a, of a, of a lead that is formidable to, um, um, to, to significant. There's only one other candidate that matters in the minds of many, many people. And, it, it, and I think, so I, I don't necessarily quibble with the overall um, fundamentals of the poll, even if I'm not exactly sure, and I don't think Ann would tell you she knows for sure if her numbers are even correct. Your thoughts? My thoughts. First of all, when I looked at the poll, I thought, you know, Trump's at 42. 
Uh, that's not 50. And that's 42 not, instead of 43, yeah, my bad. It's, yeah. He's at 42. He's not at 50. He's not over 50. And I see his trend line going down. When you say first or second choice where he's got 63%, first or second, DeSantis has got first or, or 61%, first or second. The reason that matters, back in 2012, everybody had Rick Santorum as their second choice. And Rick Santorum was pulling like at 5%. When we did our presidential family forum, the weekend before Thanksgiving, he was pulling at 5%. He wins the Iowa caucuses. Why? Because when the first choice doesn't work out, guess where you go? You go to your second choice. So if the first if the first choice all of a sudden, you know, throw some baggage in there, whatever else it might be, you go to the second choice. The other part that I saw in, in the poll, Steve, is that over half, over half said that they're willing to change their mind which means that second choice is going to play a big role here. I actually saw the polls very, very good news for an alternative Trump to rise. I think there's an opportunity that Iowa will change the narrative of this is Trump's to lose. Because I think if Trump gets beat here, as I've told you before, it's game on the nomination. If Trump wins here, I think he runs the table. Last thing, we got about two minutes here. I, I think for Ron DeSantis to create that coalition, though, you got to choose a lane in my view. You do have And to I think there's only two lanes. One lane is that I am a better Trump than Trump. The other lane is I am better than Trump and what he represents. Mm -hmm. I think you have to choose one of those two. Now, if I were him looking at the fact that you and Trump are the only two that have a substantial first and second choice, it's clear you're more in the lane of I'm a better Trump than Trump. I would probably mm -hmm. go that route. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you, there are no lukewarm hells. And what I see is a campaign that's kind of in between here. They got to choose one of these lanes in my view. And I think it's really going to be up to him Wednesday night in the debate, in the debate where, where Trump isn't there. He's definitely going to take incoming fire from most of the other candidates on that stage because they see him as right now the, the clear alternative to Trump. But now he's going to have to pivot from maybe take 15 seconds, slap down whatever the incoming fire is. But then you want to focus on why you're the right person for this time to finish the job that the Make America Great Again movement started, whatever it is. But you're going to finish the job. You can win in 2024. And for the other candidates, I really believe, I mean, we've talked about Vivek Ramaswamy about that before as well. Instead of putting all of your energy on DeSantis, that almost looks like I'm now being an apologist for Trump. I think you need to put some of your fire on Trump as well about why are you the reason you're running is because you don't believe Trump should be president again or that he can win again. You're going to have to make that case to the American people. All these other candidates are going to have to make that case. All right. Final question. I got a minute. More likely to happen. I am voted sexiest man alive. Now, I am wearing, I am wearing a cool Journey shirt today. All right. I am voted sexiest man alive or Vivek Ramaswamy criticizes Donald Trump in the debate one time. What's more likely to happen? Well, I think personally. I'll answer for you. you no. Know, Far more likely I'll be voted sexiest yeah. man alive. Yeah. However, if Vivek wants to try to raise to another tier, I think the reason Vivek is at 4% in the polls is every time he gets done speaking or he's at a forum like the Leadership Summit, people say he'd be a great cabinet member. He'd be a great VP, which means they see him as somebody who wants to be in the administration. He has to make the case, I can be president. You guys want to chime in on that real quick? What's more likely to happen Wednesday night? I am voted most likely to succeed or, most, or, or sexiest man alive or Vivek Ramaswamy criticizes Donald Trump one time. Well, Vivek will try to do, split the baby in half. I mean, he'll try to say something that is critical, but it won't be substantively critical. You know, it'll just be some minor slap that isn't picking any kind of fight that matters. What do you think, Aaron? 
Yeah, I call Vivek the great prevaricator. I mean, he will say whatever he thinks his audience wants to hear at any given moment. He's like a human AI. He'll just spit out kind of whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, maybe it's just because I kind of think this journey shirt's pretty cool, but it is far more likely I'll be voted sexiest man alive. (laughs) And that's not very likely, guys. Okay, so as as, as a famous movie once put it, the odds are 0.0. Those are the odds. Good to see you, Bob. Thank you. Good to see you guys. Yeah. All right, here we go. Hour two. Your opportunity to ask me anything, and you're telling me to gird my loins, Erzan. Is that what you're telling me? Oh, it's no more or less than any other Monday ask me anything, but there will be girding. (laughs) There will be girding. So day that ends in Y girding or double girding? Uh, I think you have a lot to do with that. Can you find me one of those uh, Vivek Truth hats? Can I wear that while I'm doing the questions? Those are pretty dope, right? No? There's a Vivek truth hat? No, he that's what he wears. Like those yeah. Malcolm X hats, he wears these truth I hats. I tuned out on him like yeah. five months ago. Hour two is next. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here in studio. I'll be down in Dallas for the show Wednesday and Thursday, heading down there right after tomorrow's show, guys, uh, to take part in the Blaze's coverage of the first GOP primary debate. But until then, let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also find me on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. By the way, if you want to get a more detailed analysis and breakdown of the Iowa poll from yours truly, if you're into that kind of thing, you can get it. It's up on all my social media channels right now that I just mentioned. Uh, I posted them there this morning. So please go check it out there. Also, if you're a podcast listener, thank you very much. If you have yet to do this, please leave us a five-star review. Hit subscribe or follow. And thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. We appreciate each and every one. Just as I appreciate um, the last I checked, Nefarious DVD was number two in America on Amazon. And we're going back and forth right now with uh, the latest Fast and Furious movie, at least the last I checked yesterday. Uh, the Blu-ray has been number three or number four. It's the number one uh, mystery slash thriller DVD in the country, the number one horror DVD in the country. Think about that. Like we're out selling the 50th anniversary of The Exorcist right now. That's incredible, guys. It's incredible. And it's why we made the big announcement last week that uh, we have begun pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-production on uh, the Nefarious sequel series uh, that we'll have more to tell you about here later in the year. Um, but before the strike, the actor strike, we already got commitments uh, from both uh, Jordan Belfi and Sean Patrick Flannery to return. So uh, we're looking forward to that and just want to thank all of you that uh, have helped us. Um, I mean, I, I was told Friday we could be in the black with nefarious by the end of October on our current trajectory. So I can't thank you guys enough. Thank you very much. Also, um, if you are one of our podcast listeners, no, I already thanked them, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. All right. Thank you again. Cause we love you guys. Uh, but, uh, let's also thank our friends over at Jace medical. They came up with the Jace case last year of venerable antibiotics that could be the next in line to be canceled right when we need them the most. 
after being declared safe and Nobel Prize winning for many, many years. Not that we have any examples of that, except the ones that we already do. So they had you ready to make sure that your doxycycline, your amoxicillin, and other venerable antibiotics were prepared for the next, for the next so-called emergency. Well, now they want to make sure that your existing medications are prepared. You can get a 12-month supply of your existing medications, everything from diabetes to heart health, blood pressure, even mental health, and more. Right now, if you go to jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E, J-A-S-E for jacemedical.com. That's jacemedical.com. Use the code DACE at checkout for the discount. Code DACE at checkout for the discount on your order at jacemedical.com. All right, let's get to it. It is your turn to ask me anything. No topic is off limits. These questions this week come from our followers over on Facebook. I have seen zero of these questions. I, on purpose, stay away, so I get hit with them live and blind on the air. Todd, you have curated the questions to determine which ones will get asked. Aaron, you will be asking the questions that Todd curated. Let's go. We begin with more of some feedback rather than a question. Barbara N. Ketchum says, thank you for the opportunity for your listeners to ask you questions. So many of us, which we wish we could sit and converse with you, which is impossible. So I, for one, appreciate you being willing to answer some of our curiosities. Love and appreciate your staff, too. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. First time I've ever seen anybody actually take the time to say, you know, you don't have to do this, but you do. So I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. that's very kind, Barbara. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Liz Cutler says, how did you meet Todd and Aaron and how did they become a part of the show? So Liz, Todd and I met 20 years ago. I had built a, by this point, a fairly popular sports talk radio show in town. And you were taking, was it correspondence classes, broadcasting well, I, classes? I was working at the Des Moines Register. I I had heard you on the radio substitute for the now just recently de- uh, departed uh, Jan Michelson. Absolute legend. And I needed an in with you that I thought was relatively legitimate. So this thing was, it wasn't so great, but it was it was official. There was just a a course you could take, and part of it would be shadowing with somebody. So, yeah, I manipulated the situation just so it looked like I was, even though I was working at the Des Moines Register, I didn't know you at all. I had never heard you do sports radio. I just heard you sub in on Jen Michelson. So I needed to try to figure out a way because I wasn't going anywhere at the Des Moines Register because of who I was. And I just wanted to broaden my portfolio. And you were, you sounded like I do in my own head when you were doing that show. So I said, what the heck? And you, amazingly enough, actually said, yeah, what the hell? Come on into the studio. We'll see what happens. Well, I was going to get compensated, too. Oh, yeah. There was yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. There was, I mean, I, the, that's the, what I mean. It was legitimate. Yeah, was, yeah. Uh, they were going to pay me basically like as a mentor right. for you. Exactly. And and at that time, I think I made $30,000 a year doing a sports talk radio yeah. show. So an extra few hundred bucks here and there made a went a long way on a single income because the wife decides, I'm going to take my degrees and stay yeah. home with baby Anastasia. So we needed the money. And uh, that's just that's how you and I became friends. Yeah. And um when your predecessor, Jen, decided that uh, she'd had enough of working nine to midnight Eastern and had to go back home and be a mama again. And I, what I really valued, as good as Jen was on the air, I valued her even more off the air in that um, she was a true conciliary. I mean, she would, she would truly challenge me and make sure I'm fulfilling the mission and what I claim to want to be and do and those kinds of things. I thought that was very valuable. And um, I thought that I wanted someone to fill that void. 
And I thought more than anything else, given our longstanding relationship, that you would be um, a willing uh, conduit where that is concerned. And, and, and as much as I love, I still love Jen to this day, it is a little different. I think you guys have heard me say on the show before, the number one thing women need from other women is support. The number one thing that men need from other men is accountability. Now that doesn't mean women don't need accountability from other women and men don't need support from other men. I I just said, I didn't say it was the one and only, did I? I said it was number one. Okay. And so, um, I thought that, that you would absolutely have, uh, the integrity to step in into that role off the air and make sure that, uh, I'm maintaining my own integrity in that process. So that's how you came on board. You came on board about a year before Aaron, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron's predecessor, Rebecca, same thing. Uh, she, she, she came to me a year later and basically said, all right, now I, I would like to become a mama actually. And it's kind of hard to, you know, find a man when I'm working nine to midnight, Monday through Friday, you know? And, uh, um, she applied for a job at Northwestern University in Minnesota, the Bible college. Yep. And um, I needed, and, and so she ended up taking the job that you left to come and take her job, yeah, if I recall, traded right? Jobs. Yeah, you guys literally traded jobs is how that whole thing worked out. It was not the intent, you know? And I, I had a few people that uh, had given me some suggestions and one of them was Aaron. And uh, I went and I listened to what he sounded like on the air because I don't really, I, I can, you know, I, now we weren't a TV show yet. Now it would matter more, mm-hmm. okay, as a TV show. But when we were a radio show, I could produce my own radio show. I'd, I'd done that before. I knew all the technical ins and outs of the radio business on that end of it. So I, I, I don't need someone to push buttons as much as I needed someone to add a youthful um, generational difference of opinion uh, or perspective on the air. And Rebecca was a fellow millennial. And so I heard Aaron on the air and I thought there was definitely some things that could be harnessed there and, uh, and, and coached and mentored. And so, um, I think you were either the only or only one of two people that I reached out to about this job. And, um, and, and I had never met him before at all until the day that he came to work for me. We had met in passing a couple of had times. We? Yeah, and I just didn't remember. Yeah, okay. in Nashville at uh, at the religious broadcaster okay. thing, and I think you emceed my sister's wedding reception too at one I, point. That's true. I, I did do that. Yeah, that. except I didn't know you were her brother. Oh, gotcha. When I first offered you the job, I didn't know. I found out after the fact. I didn't know um, that uh, that that was your sister, and so that's how we met. Yep. All right, moving on. Dave Howard. This is a wordy question, but it's worth it. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being the likelihood Xi Jinping will be forced by his eldest child to watch TikToks of Steve Dace pleading his case to be invited to CPAC, (laughs) and 10 being that four scoops of pumpkin spice ice cream between two warm apple maple brown sugar pop tarts is the greatest sandwich for a halftime snack. Preach. What is the likelihood of recalling John Fetterman and filing felony charges against the DNC for violating Pennsylvania Code Title 18, Chapter 59, Subsection 5904, Subsection 5904, Public Exhibition of insane or deformed person. A person is found guilty of a misdemeanor of the second degree if he exhibits in any place for pecuniary consideration or reward any insane, idiotic, or deformed person or imbecile. G, it's not Dees. It's Dace. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Frank Vecchio. I love the question, though. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Frank Vecchio says, just uh, the ne- watched the Nefarious DVD and watching it again, I found myself laughing even more the second time. I know I have an odd sense of humor, but was wondering if any of these scenes were written with the accept- uh, with the expectation of being funny. Um, yes. 
Yes. I'll give you an example. The first time I read the script, the scene that has almost gotten more emotional reaction from people than anything else in this movie is when Nefarious denies Eddie the cheeseburger for a last supper, a last meal before he's executed. I mean, I've had grown men email me. I started crying. My teenage, my teenage son started breaking down. I mean, that scene has just grabbed people, okay? The first time I read the script was Memorial Day, Saturday, um, in 2021 was the first time I read the script. And um, I need to tell you that uh, I laughed out loud at that scene. I mean, I'm, I'm at my desk. Everybody is still asleep. It's early in the morning. I'm reading the script for the first time. And when I got to the part where Nefarious denies the cheeseburger for Eddie, I, I mean, I was belly laughing at my laptop by myself. Do you, do you guys like belly laughing? Cause it, you know why? Cause it was, it was I, that, that was like to quote Nefarious. That's my boy. That's my, that's the character that I created to the end, to the last hell from like con from hell's heart i stabbeth thee all right be, just because pure spite incarnate all the way to the end for no other reason as you like to say todd the lie is the point the spite the mm-hmm. hate is the point and when i when they nailed that with that scene i belly laughed for several minutes by myself at my desk at my house i thought it was hilarious i was stunned after the movie came out at the amount of people when we started screening the movie actually I mean, I'm taking the movie to all the people around the country to screen it to them to try to get their support. And I mean, I'm watching people just break down in the theater at the denial of this cheeseburger. And like I inwardly, I have to stop myself from laughing out loud because I think the scene is funny every single time. Do you guys remember at the Iowa premiere of Nefarious? Somebody apparently shares your sense of humor because I that's that scene where everybody was like gripping. There's like one guy in the theater that started laughing out loud. (laughs) Yes. And I looked at my wife. I said, finally, somebody else. You're taking this movie all over the country. Finally, somebody else finds this as funny as I do. Yeah. Maybe I just have a warped sense of humor too. I don't know. Okay. Moving on. Rob Corser, what's the difference between turning the other cheek, self-defense or defending the innocent and aggressively confronting the evil in the culture? I know you've touched on these things before, but this is in response to a discussion we had in our Sunday school class today about Russell Moore's article supporting the sweater vests and criticizing more quote unquote radical congregations. Well, number one, Rob, I would say you should not be discussing a Russell Moore article in any church that takes orthodoxy seriously on any level at all. That would be my number one. My number one would be if you walk into a group and they say, hey, guys, we're breaking down this Russell, walk out or find out if it's a troll and a prank. That's, that's my number one. Number two, nevertheless, the, the questions you're asking... And this would be not intentional. The intention of a Russell Moore article would not be to generate critical thinking, but simp thinking. That, that would be its intent. So good on you guys that you actually were asking and discussing critical thinking questions. You rose above the content, because I promise you, that was, and I don't even know, was it, was it published? Where was it published? Christianity Never was that article? I have no okay. idea. Wherever it was published. That, that essentially is what the place should be called, Christianity Never. Nevertheless, based on clearly the level of character and credibility of your group, you had a far more meaningful discussion of the article than the article was intended to spawn. Um, And therefore, I'll answer your question. Um, What is the motivation here? 
what is the motivation here? So, for example, if you are out for vengeance, the Lord says vengeance is mine. Correct? Mm -hmm. That is his purview. That is his jurisdiction, not yours. If someone breaks into your home and threatens your family, that is your jurisdiction, correct, as a man, that you were yes. put there to defend them, correct? Yes. Yeah. Right. So um, that would be an aspect of, of, like, of, of Christ-like love, willing to lay down your life for others. To, you know, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's right out of the scriptures, too. That, so that is your purview, okay? A willingness to lay down your life for the sheep that God has put into your pen as a shepherd of the home. And then, and so therefore, we get into what I've, a phrase I've used before, a hierarchy of values, the number one value is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That is number one. That is, that is, not, that is not 1A. That is number one by itself. And then number two is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, what does that number two mean? It means number, well, it's number two because number one will define for you what is love and what isn't. Because you have made God the plumb line. So he will define it for you. And then number two, what does it mean to love your neighbor as you love yourself? It means to put others before yourself. That's what it means. It means to be selfless instead of selfish. Putting yourself between your family in harm's way, would that be an act of selfishness or selflessness? The latter. It would be the latter. Um, taking vengeance upon yourself out of anger and spite. And so robbing God of the jurisdiction that he claims, would that be an act of selfishness or selflessness? The former. The former. Is that, a, is that enough of a good enough answer to the question? I don't know because this keeps coming up amongst Christians, and I find it amazing every single time that there's pacifism has crept itself this deeply into otherwise orthodox thinkers. I, I, I'm always amazed. I don't think it's pacifism. I think it's comfortism. Hmm. Well, this, it's is, because, it, I mean, this is why I keep it, bringing it, it up. It's because confrontation risks blowback. That's why. It risks blowback. That, that's why. And, and that, you know, is, is a risk that a lot of people in a, in a comfortable country are still not willing to take. See, that's even more confusing to me. The Lord, this is one of the most comforting words to me in the Bible. When the Lord actually says they did this to me, what do they think you're going to do to you? I mean, I've, I've, I don't know if people despair in that. I'm like, oh, he's telling us, right? We, we shouldn't be confused by that. How many, our, how we many will be persecuted for our faith. How many people in this audience, let alone Americans, have heard a sermon about what you just said? Probably very few. In their few. lifetimes. Probably very few. Probably very few. They've been, they've been, they've, the same thing. Say it. Okay, I will. The reason why, the reason, go back to what I said an hour ago. A lot of the content you want to consume on the right is not telling you the full magnitude of what they're going to do here and they're doing right now. And a lot of you, when you see it, are going to be like, no way, man. Even though people like me told you that this was going to happen all along. But here's the thing. How many people are clamoring to get that information? 
Meaning that is a lot of the content you're consuming on the right not telling you? Because they're afraid of the blowback of telling you or they're not telling you against your own, against your will. Like you want them to tell you these truths and they're just not willing to do it. What do you think that is? You're saying do they, they just know you so well, they know they don't even need to give you the straight, that yeah. you don't want it. Jesus for its stake. Yeah. yeah. You don't want it. You don't want it. Now, why don't you want it? Well, what institutions would primarily instill critical thinking in people? There are two, the family and the church. It takes a lot of critical thinking to, to hate the sin and love the sinner. It takes a lot of critical thinking to be able to defend the idea that either God supernaturally intervened in history to raise a dead man to life or he didn't. And the entire, the entire creed that you are basing your life on is based on the historicity of a, a fact being true or it's not. That takes a lot of critical thinking. It doesn't take a critical thinking to say, why is the Quran true? Because it says it is. Why does it say it is? Because that's what it's, because that's what, because it's true. It doesn't take any critical thinking at all. That's circular logic. It takes a lot more critical thinking to say, well, there was this guy, this carpenter from Nazareth. He performed miracles or he didn't. They killed him or they didn't. He rose again or he didn't. That's a lot more critical thinking than just abstract philosophisms. Now you're defending actual facts. They occurred or they didn't. That takes critical thinking. How's the church doing with critical thinking here in the last generation or so? Just, say? just fine. Smashingly? Yeah. Let's see. The, the biggest star American evangelicalism has produced in the last 40 years, Rick Warren, on his way out to retirement, decided to lobby the Southern Baptist Convention into heresy. That was like a month ago. How you guys overdoing over there on the Roman side? How y'all doing? How's it hanging? How's it hanging there on the Catholic side there, Todd? How's it hanging there, bro? Because uh, we're just doing great here on the evangelical side. We're fine here. How are you? So how are y'all doing over there? There are issues. Yeah. See the my point? excommunications must continue until morale Is, improves. Yes. So before we even get to the cultural engagement arena, before we even get to the civic participatory arena, we need to be prepared for it, prepped for it. And, and one of the tools that we need instilled in us is critical thinking. Critical thinking like, I'm not going to lie for Donald Trump, and I'm not going to lie about Donald Trump. I thought Donald Trump was a great president up until March 16, 2020. I think he made every possible mistake after March 16, 2020. That takes a lot of critical thinking. There is a dwindling market for that. Because there's a dwindling market of people that are even remotely prepped for it. There's a reason why I can make better arguments for the left than they can make themselves. Because, the, because in order to get you to adopt and embrace their ethos, you have to abandon critical thinking. You just have to literally be spoon-fed and inculcated. They don't know the basis for why they believe. I, see, I learned it because I did like 50 appearances on MSNBC and I wanted to make sure I knew what I was getting myself into. You know, I, I also wanted to find out what other religions thought wasn't just going to take Christianity's word for it. A lot of people don't do that stuff these days. Wasn't there a poll like last year that showed a majority of Christians don't even know what the Great Commission is? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think we discussed that poll even before COVID. I think. Was it even that long ago? I think so. So, I mean, I, there's not a it lot of critical thinking happening in this culture. And there's not a lot of it being, in, being articulated from pulpits. Um, and therefore, there's just a lot of people that frankly aren't prepared to engage in it they're just not and and so 
one of the things I've tried to do on this show the last few years is to spark critical thinking as best as I can. It's one of the reasons why I'll ask questions. Show me where I'm wrong. Where am I? By the way, who am I patterning myself after? My Lord. Why do you call me Lord? What do the Pharisees say? Where did John get his power to baptize from? Whom do the people say that I am? I mean, he did this in order to, you know, get the synapses firing and mm-hmm. start getting people to think on their own. Okay. You know, and in the, in the ancient world, the even more ancient world, it was called the Socratic method. It's a form of persuasion, but you persuade people by getting them to come to conclusions on their own rather than just spoon feeding it to them because you don't want to you're not trying to replace one cult with another one statist regime with another one group think with another you're trying to actually inspire people to do better than any of those things and and we just don't have a lot of institutions right and left that are doing this right now and for the longest time we we recognize this on the left well, I think after the last few years, you have to start recognizing that it has now infected a lot of the right as well. Critical thinking is a lost art in America. We're an epistemological nuclear winner. Many of you won't even know what that word means. I mean, you look, know, no, look no for, further. A woman got fired from Ohio right to life for being a Christian. Yes, That's just. Be that's the most, I should that. have mentioned this last hour, Aaron. That's the most national right to life thing I've ever seen. That's peak national right to life. The Christian comes out, quotes, just independently, cites the gospel. Didn't like go after anybody. She tweets out, Miss Marbach does, there's no hope for salvation outside of Christ. That's only a 2,000 year old doctrine uttered by the Lord himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Enter through the narrow gate. My sheep hear my voice. Okay, no one can come to me except if the Father sends them to me and then I will raise them up on the last day. These are pretty exclusivist statements, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's only quoting the Lord. A secular, non-practicing Jewish member of the Ohio congressional delegation who brags in his bio, he's Trump endorsed, comes at her. A bunch of us, myself, Matt Walsh, Sean Davis, the Federalists come out and defend her. 48 hours later, she's fired because his wife sits on the board. There's nothing more national right to life than fire the Christian and make sure we kiss the ass of, the, of, of anybody with an R after their name for the babies, of course. I mean, what happened to Miss Marbach is a ex- living, breathing example of why for 50 years you couldn't overturn Roe. Because people like that were in charge of making the arguments. And the only arguments they cared about ultimately were what got them a seat at the table of the Republican Party. And since I said things like that, I don't get invited on any of the mainline, mainstream pro-life speaker circuits. In fact, because I say things to you like that, critically think with you like that, I actually don't get invited on any. Pick one. Pick one. CPAC, Young Americans for Freedom, March for Life. None of them have ever invited me, and none of them ever will. Because the assumption is either that you can't handle critical thinking, or if you could, well, then that would blow up our entire paradigm here, and we can't risk that. And it depends. There's, but those are the only two options and the only two answers. So here's my problem and why I'm always, I'm, I, can, I can't ever avoid at some point being in conflict with you guys as my audience, as much as I hate it. I don't enjoy it at all. Actually, it's exhausting. 
but I can't avoid it because I represent a worldview that either it occurred or it didn't and demands critical thinking. It demands it. It demands that you set aside your priorities and, and serve other people. It demands that you pick up your cross and follow your Lord. It demands that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It demands these things. There's, there, there, it, Christianity demands critical thinking, demands it. And so there's, there's no way that I can fully, without acting like I'm my Lord's editor and determining for him what I think you can handle and what you can't, which by the way, then that would be idolatry because now I'm putting myself in issues, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. There is no way that I can fully represent my Lord to you without at some point in time being in conflict with you because that's just the nature of Christianity. It's either true or, and everything else is false or it's not. And you're either a critical and it demands critical thinking with no in-betweens. You know, all the leftists who said back when we were growing up, Todd, we, we're listening to things like the sex pistols. We're the rebels. Those are all the same people that went from, I'm not going to do what you told me to do to, I'll do whatever the government tells me to do. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, everybody has a Lord to serve. You either serve the Lord of the state, where compliance is the highest virtue, or you serve the Lord of the universe who demands critical thinking in order to get you into that act of service. And there's no in between. Thoughts on that answer now? Since I explained it a little more fully. Well, uh, I hope it was comprehensive enough that it leads to a revival. I know that's a high bar, but this keeps coming up and there are people who are just... Remember uh, when you get to the final circle of uh, hell in Dante's Inferno? Remember where you find the devil and what he's encased in? Mm -hmm. He's encased in ice. Ice, yeah. He's, he, that's and what, surrounded by cowards and traitors, yes. if I remember correctly. Yeah, well, you just described the church, the GOP, just encased, incapable or unwilling to move. I mean, I, it's chilling, the comparison to me. In fact, Paul, where does Paul, is he list cowards? Cowards will not inherit the kingdom of God. I think Paul lists cowards first. Or no, Revelation does this, actually. So... This is Jesus speaking. But to the cowardly, and then he says the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, liars. He goes on. The cowardly are first. They will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. This is the second death. The cowardly are first. But you go be comfortable. Have fun with that. That is convicting. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I've been raving about Miracle Made Sheets, man, but they are going to get put to the test this week. Holy cow, guys. Like waking up this morning and drinking the air? <laughs> yes. I mean, the heat we're going to have this week is some of the hottest Iowa has had that I can remember. And, uh, I mean... I just got a note from my son's high school football coach, the varsity team. They're practicing it. They're switching, practicing at 7 o'clock at night now because of how hot it's going to be. They, they, they were trying to get them to practice 
Now this week with school starting back up, practices would be right after school. So it'd be like three o'clock. Yeah, that's, that's going to be the hottest time of the day. Yeah. So now they're going to do them at seven because of how hot it's going to be, you know? So miracle made sheets will get put to the test, but based on what we already witnessed here in the, uh, the Dacer household, when we had our last, um, you know, that July heat wave, they more than held up, man. Uh, inspired by, Ma- by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics, makes temperature regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. They really work in terms of keeping you cool. They've got self cooling properties for a better sleep, self cleaning as well. That same silver helps prevent up to over 99% of bacterial growth. So your sheets will stay cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. And they're really nice. And comfortable too, most of all. So it's it's not just, hey, we found some aluminum foil that'll stop you from sweating to death at night. No, they're sheets, guys. It's not aluminum foil. They're sheets and they're really comfortable too. Great stuff. Highly would recommend Miracle Made right now. If you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use the uh, promo code uh, DACE, if you use the promo code DACE, you'll get a free towel set and save another 40% off as well. You cannot beat it, folks. You can't beat it. TryMiracle.com slash Dace. Use the promo code Dace. TryMiracle.com slash Dace. Again, promo code Dace. TryMiracle.com slash Dace. Promo code Dace. All right, let's continue on with Ask Me Anything. Aaron. I understand, Todd, this was a common theme this week, and this is from Dale Dewar. Why am I getting the feeling that the COVID fix is in for the caucuses and primaries? Yeah, like I said, there were six, seven, eight different versions of this. So there's been a lot of discussion about this. I saw there was an Alex Jones clip over the weekend from when I got back that went viral where he said he had spoken to a TSA agent that said they were being prepped for this. There's been other places out there. Um, I saw Aaron, you and I were talking before the show, Natalie Winters, who's kind of Steve Bannon's muckraker um, and has done some good work. We've had her on the show before Mm -hmm. that uh, she was saying that she's heard some things about some of this stuff as well. So this, again, is going to be another answer you're not going to like. Why wouldn't they? I mean, why wouldn't they? Who's been held accountable? You know why they're not afraid to put Trump in prison? Because he didn't lock her up. Nothing happened to Julie Swetnick. Handed his, his man parts in the presidency to Fauci. Made him de facto prime minister. This has a lot to do with the question you just answered. Why would they be afraid? No one's been held accountable. I mean, this, this, much of the so-called conservative movement is either trying to destroy the one, the one guy who actually attempted to defeat this and, and is now in a state trying to hold it accountable. The one public health department in America, there's only one in this whole freaking continent, Florida, is the only health department in this entire continent telling any modicum of truth about that poisonous jab. And much of the conservative movement is either trying to destroy the guy or just act like he doesn't exist. So tell me then, why would our enemies be afraid of, we, of us? We're not serious. They're mocking us. They laugh at us. They can do whatever they want to us. So why wouldn't they do this all again? If only, you know, you know what I probably should have done? My bad. Probably should have, you know, maybe even gotten together. Now that I think about it, not done it myself. 
got together with somebody that also did a lot of great work on what was going on with COVID and the jab during those years and partner with that person. We like basically compiled the best of our work and maybe write it in a way that we would even have witnesses and testimonials and we could get it and state legislators could have the, uh, basically a handbook of we'd even put policies maybe in there where you had a handbook of how to what to enact so they could not do this to, to us again if they tried my bad i should have thought of that next question uh, we'll go to this one from Brian Lee. If a Democrat is elected as our next president, what's the first thing you will do? Be very sick to my stomach. That's my answer. Al Palmer. Is there a better analogy for Trump than the Black Knight in Monty Python's Search for the Holy Grail? And would someone please mail meme with uh, Trump's head on said night? It's the flesh ruined. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> In his bones. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Here, here's, here's the thing, though. Donald Trump accomplished some very important, meaningful things. That, that just, that cannot be overlooked. That cannot be forgotten. I mean, the guy was president for one term. Faced For our era, unprecedented undermining from day one. Not to mention, it's hard to get out of the way of his own personality. And think about this. In that one term, he destroyed two paradigms that the system told us on the right we had to abide by and, and could not be challenged. The supremacy of the American media. How many times? Well, we can't do that. The media will kill us. The media will kill us. Can't do that. Media can't say that. Media will kill us. Can't do that. Media will kill us. Can't say that. Media. He destroyed that paradigm, right? Yeah. Smashed that shibboleth of the dam. Just smashed it to a million pieces, right? The other was, there could be no hope for any sustaining peace within the Middle East without dealing with the Palestinian question. And just to show you how set. And sediment that was after Reagan left the White House, every single administration, Republican or Democrat, both Bushes, Bill Clinton, two terms of Barack Obama, every president that followed Reagan operated under that assumption. They all did. And did we have any form of lasting peace in the Middle East as they all followed that assumption of trying to deal with the Palestinian question? No. No. Donald Trump took that shibboleth and smashed it. Said, I'm not dealing with the Palestinian question at all. Do whatever the hell you want. I just want to know, do you guys want to make a lot of money or do you want to fund Wahhabism and go to war with the United States? What do you guys want? 
and a lot of those places in like Saudi Arabia, turns out their politicians are every bit as soulless as ours. And the sheikhs were like, wait, we can do that? We don't have to like give alms over here to the radicals. We can get completely out of that paradigm. We're in. Now we got like live golf and now they're going to like probably, they'll probably end up funding Florida State's exit from the ACC while we're at it. Okay. True. (laughs) But how did that happen? He shattered that paradigm. Those two paradigms led to a lot of L's on our side for years. Decades. And I think we have to give him credit for that. And I say this as someone, my personality and the public personality that he projects are just never going to be a match. I've just determined that. I lived with gaslighting growing up. I lived with dishonesty growing up. I don't like it. I don't care who it's from. I don't care what side they're on. I don't care what they've done for me in the past. It rubs me raw and it's an open nerve and I cannot help but go after that every time I see it. That notwithstanding, I don't, I don't need to like Donald Trump. I need to be able to afford a used car for my kid if I want to buy him one. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I, I need to be able to help, you know, uh, for, my, for my daughter who's married now to afford a damn down payment on a house without 9% interest or whatever the hell it is now. Is it seven? That's what I need. He can do those things. Mm-hmm. Prove he was good at that stuff, right? That's all I need. I need that. I don't need the other stuff. And I, and I just think we have to make sure we don't, be, we don't recognize life was significantly better in America in 2017, 2018, and 2019 than it is right now. Significantly better. Life would be significantly better in America if he was president right now. We cannot forget that. Our enemies have not, which is why they're doing to him what we're watching them do. <laughs> okay? And I, and I think we do a disservice to our own credibility and our own character. And I say this as a DeSantis supporter, I don't think you help Ron DeSantis by forgetting those things, actually. You actually play into Trump's hands. His narrative. Just my two cents. We go now to Bella Wood. I'm a Ron DeSantis supporter. I've been told he has, uh, he has close ties to Paul Ryan. Is this true? Ron DeSantis formed, was one of the founding members of the House Freedom Caucus, which was done in direct opposition to leadership like from people like Paul Ryan. Donald Trump instead outsourced the overturning of Obamacare to Paul Ryan. Did it ever get overturned? No. No. That's my answer. Next up, we go to John Ebert. Should a Christian be concerned about politics and voting? Voting? Uh, I was talking with a group of guys here in Texas saying they don't think it's biblical to be involved in politics. Most of the conflicts that God has in the scriptures are with government. I have no idea how you could come to that conclusion. I just... There's two books of the Bible called Kings. Um, what, what, where, 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 what, what do kings do? Rule. 
Yeah, they. What arena are kings in? Government. So the political arena. Yeah, that. Yeah, I, I just. I know. I, I don't. I don't understand. I put it. this in there again because it I don't. Comes I don't so understand often. that. I don't get it. I, I, by the way, don't don't turn it into an idol either way. Don't become GOP means God's own party. Don't become I'll give grace and forgiveness to politicians I won't give to my own family members. Don't do that. You're an idolater. If you do that, I'm here to tell you on the authority of God's word, you are an idolater. Your soul is in peril. And because I'm commanded to love my neighbor as I love myself, I need to tell you that. Otherwise, I would not be honoring that commandment. But idolatry works the other way, too. Where now your non-confrontationalism, your non-engagementism, your comfortism, that the, that the, your 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 philosophical reductionism, that all there is to the gospel is evangelism. I had a, a well-meaning pastor sent me a note over the weekend saying, "Hey, I'm being challenged by other pastors about being involved in politics, and that I should just stick to the gospel, not trying to change the government." How would you answer this? Here's how I answered: When the gospel is preached, everything changes, even government. That was my answer. It's a false choice. It is a false choice. Why, why do governments, why do tyrannical governments put the church underground under persecution and ban the Bible? If, if the enemy understands that we're not to be involved in this arena at all, we're no threat in the political arena at all. We're not called to be. We're not called to have, we're not called to be a threat to his dominion or hegemony in that arena at all whatsoever. Then why does the first thing any tyrant has ever done, regardless of language, creed, custom, era, is to punish God's covenant people, whether they were the Jews of the Old Testament, the Christians of the New, take the scriptures and make them unavailable, put them underground, and ban them. Why? 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 Because that's a false choice. That's another idol. You, we can, we, guys, we can turn anything into an idol. We can turn the gospel into an idol. Straight up. By reducing the gospel to what we want it to be, I'm just here preaching to the lost. Well, that's actually not the gospel in its fullness. It's discipling the lost, actually. Why do you call me Lord if you do not do what I say? Go forth now. Make disciples. Not converts. Disciples. So you've turned the gospel into an idol. You've refashioned it and formed it into that which you agree with, what you find comforting, what you're willing to do, how far you're willing to go. You don't get to edit God, and God needs no editor. And appointing yourself as such makes you an idolater. People diminishing the scriptures are not any better than the people adding to them. They're the same people. Before we get out of here, a word about Patriot Mobile. They're America's only American mobile phone company left. That's why you want to make the switch. I know what you're thinking. It's a big hassle. We've got multiple phones, accounts. Same thing in my family, and so we held off for several years, really. Then finally, the day came where our old, our old provider, T-Mobile, said they were going to start censoring texts if they didn't like what you said about COVID. And that was finally, for me, the last straw. And I braced myself. I'm like, oh, no. We're going to have a bunch of issues, problems, didn't have any. Then I kind of thought, you know, like those Aaron Rodgers commercials, maybe because I'm promoting them on the air, they gave us like the extra special attention. I've heard from so many of you, you had the same issues. None. When you made the switch, no issues at all. They made it seamless for you. Have an outstanding customer service team. You can switch to any of the major networks anytime you want. If you move to an area, 
uh, that has a weaker network than another and you need to make the switch, they'll do that for you free of charge. Just one of the things they do for you. If you are a member at Patriot Mobile, become one today. Let them, if you're a veteran or first responder, let them know. They'll give you extra savings, a way of saying thank you for your service for the rest of us. We get a free activation with the offer code Steve. Free activation with the offer code Steve today at PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. PatriotMobile.com slash Steve or call them at 878-PATRIOT. 30 seconds, gentlemen, final thoughts. Yeah. I think the repetitiveness of some of the questions, I know there's new people coming all the time, and that's why I throw them in there. But they're such important questions. If we're, if you're hearing them and you've been on the show for a long time and are still not getting them, these are closed-hand issues. And we got to come to terms to that if we, think a, if we actually want a revival to be possible. Amen. We're going to stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.